Thanks to Indeed for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL. Indeed knows hiring needs to be cost-effective when you're running your own business. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 279. We keep on cranking away here. We are within that one-month range for the next Apple fall event, which has still not yet officially been, uh, invites have not officially been sent out. Official dates have not been sent out, but rumored to happen on Tuesday, September the 12th. So we will keep our eyes on that. Now, if you're new to the show, this is where we talk about all the things happening inside and outside the world of Apple. We got good apples, we got bad apples, and how they connect to the greater tech world as a whole as well. And we've got some iPhone stuff. We've got some Apple Watch stuff. We've got some M3 Pro, M3 Max, M3 Ultra stuff. So a good amount of things to talk about, but We'll keep it in a nice, tidy package. All right, now, first, a few orders of business. Of course, you know what time this is. I love to hear from you all. All you got to do is call in to our show, send in a voice memo at applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z show at gmail.com. Your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about, pressing issues, concerning issues, happy issues, whatever you want to talk about, give me a call and I'll put it in the show. That's applebitsshow.com at gmail.com. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support this podcast. It's how you support all my content. It starts at $2 per month, $5, which is like a cup of coffee if that's the value I give you, $10, the $25, and the $100 platinum Apple level. And what do you get? You get early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. So Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support. All right, let's get into it, and we're going to start things off with uh, a little bit of iPhone 15 stories. Now, there have been rumors for a while that the iPhone 15 Pro Max with this potential Periscope camera, which would give you finally a 5X to maybe 6X, 6X optical zoom, will now report it from Apple Insider Andrew O'Hara, who has been actually on this podcast in the past is claiming that he's heard a little blurb that Apple will indeed be bringing back and use the iPhone 15 Ultra moniker for their plus-size Pro phone. There were earlier rumors about this, then everyone kind of pulled back on it and said, okay, let's just call it the iPhone 15 Pro Max. But now, rumblings on the street, or that'll be called the iPhone 15 Ultra. And how ultra will it be? It has a ultra optical zoom that other phones have had for three or four years now but it but it's an but it's an iphone 15 ultra so we'll see how that all plays out also a recent report here from twitter user majin boo who's leaked a lot of stuff in the past especially even iphone colors has now posted pictures that the iphone 15 and 15 plus could come with color matched braided usb-c to usb-c cables that is according to this rumor out of asia There were pictures posted. Now, I'm just going to tell you, our friends over in Asia can make any type of braided cable in any type of color. The colors shown here were there was kind of like what what could be appear to be maybe an off reddish 
a, a slightly off blue color, an off purple color, a canary off yellow color, and a black color. That doesn't mean that this is actually happening, but at least the word on the street um, and Mac Rumors is saying they've also now heard this is that the iPhone 15 Pro and 15 Pro Max will also apparently come with the color match braided USB-C to USB-C cables. So we've seen this in their laptop line. We've seen this with the uh, MagSafe connector that is in the MacBook Airs. I think that's one of the first times that we saw the color matched cables. Um, so we'll see there. We'll see if it happens. I don't know what you all think. I mean, to this point, all iPhone models have come with the white cable with a kind of white rubber coating. No matter what the color was, it didn't matter. And we've seen Apple move to braided cables, MacBook Air and MacBook Pro. So this could be the moment, y'all, that you have finally been waiting for and a reason to upgrade your iPhone 5 to the iPhone 15 color braided cables. Also, if we're talking about the iPhone 15 world, we've seen in the past how sometimes certain models have been delayed or pushed out later just because of the supply chain. Some of the more uh, you know, robust models have been pushed out a few weeks. The latest report is now saying that the iPhone 15 Pro Max is expected to face a three to four week delay compared to other, uh, other iPhone models. And that's partially because the camera part supplier Sony will not be able to provide the image sensor used specifically by the Pro Max in time for it to ship alongside the new models. And this is based on analyst notes that 9to5Mac has been able to source. So we've seen this in the past, right? This is not the biggest uh, surprise. I already talked about how the iPhone 15 Pro Max specifically is expected to use that new periscope lens system that then we've heard in later reports is expected to appear in the entire iPhone 16 Pro line. Uh, Also at this keynote event, we're going to see Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2. But according to this report, the iPhone 15 Pro Max is expected to be delayed a few weeks uh, just because of having trouble getting the proper components for it. And like I said, this this has actually happened before, so no surprises there. Also, the iPhone 15 might support charging speeds up to 35 watts because they're transitioning over to a USB-C port for the first time in the in the iPhone 15. I mean, there's there's a lot of firsts coming to this phone that feel like firsts after three or four years. So I know whenever you upgrade your phone, it just depends on where you are in the upgrade cycle. But I, I'm really encouraging a lot of people, unless you absolutely need to upgrade your phone, that you wait out this year wait out the iPhone 15 year. Now, some people are saying, oh, USB-C cord, that, that make, that'll make a difference. That'll make my life easier. I'm like, yeah, sure, it will. But is it worth, um, you might have the cheddar and that's fine. But for the general consumer, is it worth upgrading the iPhone 15 models just because one of the benefits, one of the main key selling points for you is getting a USB-C cable uh, connection, USB-C port? I don't know. If your 14, 14 Pro's working great, keep it. If you're 13, your 13 Pro's looking great, keep it. If you're 12 and 12 Pro are great for you, then keep them. Unless you're like, okay, I could see someone say, okay, I want to get at least a better camera. That that 12 to 12 Pro, that might be a line for someone who wants to get a camera. I could see that. And then obviously, if you have an earlier than an iPhone XS, I would say definitely make the jump. And the reason why I say that is the new operating system supports iPhone XS, uh, iPhone SE2 
and later. So those are the key models that, I'm, of course, I'm going to say, okay, it's okay to upgrade. Now, the iPhone 15, again, might support this new, more 35-watt charging because of the USB-C port in there. Now, currently, iPhone 14 models can charge at a maximum. This is with a physical cable connection of around 27 watts. The Pro models are able to charge a bit faster, so this increase to 35 watts would speed up charging times as well. Um, Also, Apple doesn't sell a power adapter with the iPhone anymore, so they recommend a 20-plus watt charger for fast charging purposes right now. So if that iPhone 15 models support up to 35-watt charging, um, maybe Apple starts recommending their 30-watt MacBook Air charger or its 35-watt dual USB-C charger to get those maximum speeds when you're using a single uh, port of that dual USB-C charger. So we'll see how that all plays out. Now, if you want to stick in the iPhone world, which we will, you know, iPhone 15 and 15 Pro, we expect to see that, but what about the iPhone SE 4? So this will be the fourth generation iPhone SE. I'm going to tell you right off the top, so I'm not trying to like keep you in suspense. It is not expected to appear at this year's keynote event, but Reports from leaker Unknowns21, who has put out some reliable stuff in the past, is claiming that the fourth generation iPhone SE will have an iPhone 15 Pro style action button, right? This is that button now that is replacing the mute switch that will potentially be able to be programmed for multiple functions similar to the Apple Watch Ultra action button, but now being incorporated onto the iPhone. So earlier... You know, we've heard about the iPhone 14, or sorry, the iPhone SE being inspired by the design and being very derivative of the iPhone 14. Again, we're not expecting to see it this year. We're we're not even arguably expected to see the iPhone SE 4 potentially even in 2024 and could go as far out as 2025. So this is further out, but this new iPhone SE 4 will also apparently uh, feature a USB-C port. That would be moving the iPhone SE lineup away from Lightning for the very first time. It will also reportedly have Face ID, which would definitely bring us the notch to the iPhone uh, SE 4 and killing the idea that it would retain a Touch ID button. And then also it'll support that action button and also be designed based off of the iPhone 14. So if you're... There, that's a pretty nice, that's a real nice iPhone SE. But again, we could be waiting a couple of years for this. There's also another report that this could be one of the first Apple products to contain Apple's long rumored custom 5G modem that they've been working on for a while. And, you know, when they acquired Intel's, you know, brain trust and patents to work on this. We had talked about it on these podcasts for years. Look, it wasn't going to happen overnight and take a few years. And it's actually taken a lot longer than expected for Apple to get that component made by them in their phones. They're still using Qualcomm modems. So uh, if we're targeting 2024, but really maybe more like 2025, that would indicate to us that we're still a ways away. Now, reports have found in filings for the 2023 watchOS subsystem in the Bluetooth product database. Now, this also always historically given us a hint to what is coming. Like, this wouldn't be surprising, but this new listing would suggest that Apple is gearing up to launch the new Apple Watch models in September, as it does every year. Now, the listing doesn't reveal any specific details. We have the current Apple Watch S uh, Series 8, 
Apple Watch SE and Apple Watch Ultra that support Bluetooth 5.3. So we know that the Series 9 second generation Ultra is on the table and both are expected to be equipped with Apple's new S9 chip for faster performance. There's been a new color option rumored, maybe including a pink Series 9, also maybe bringing a dark titanium finish for the next Ultra, but we aren't expecting too many changes for the Apple Watch this year. And we know, I would say out of all of Apple's products, when you look at their entire collection, the iPad is probably the product that people upgrade the least, you know, frequently. And then second might be the Apple Watch, but they might be pretty, they might be pretty close to each other. And the reason why there isn't much happening is, look, Apple Watch Series 9, okay. But what's out, what, what would be a moment for the Apple Watch to really get kind of a new feel, a new design, and a new direction? It's got to be the Apple Watch 10. Apple Watch Series 10? Apple Watch X? Well, we don't know exactly what they're going to call it, but Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, who's been all over this in his most recent edition of his Power On newsletter, said that the Apple Watch 10, similar to the iPhone 10, that would celebrate, you know, 10, I don't know if it was 10 years, but it was 10 models of the iPhone. Because there's a, yeah, it would, since the original Apple Watch was unveiled in 2014, it launched in 2015. We'll see how Apple times that. Maybe the Apple Watch, it would be, Apple Watch 10 might be released either in 2024 or 2025 to line up with that. But apparently Apple is working on a new Apple Watch 10 casing that would be thinner as well as different ways for the band to attach to the device, right? So sure, a thinner Apple Watch, cool. I I really care more about battery life on the Apple Watch, but also the report is talking about how the mechanism for connecting the bands to Apple Watches, it has remained the same since the introduction of the Apple Watch. And there's a lot of you that invested a lot in Apple Watch bands, multiple ones, not just one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, maybe 10 over all these years. But that has allowed the bands to be compatible through multiple generations of the Apple Watch. And German reports that Apple is, you know, testing, discovering, and considering a new magnetic band attachment system because it could potentially use the space where the hinges are for either bigger batteries or more internal components because these devices are really small. You can fit a lot in, think about where it hooks in. And Apple could be considering a magnetic band attachment system. It's currently unclear whether it will be uh, ready for the Apple Watch 10 or even present on the Apple Watch 10, but they're working on it. Uh, the app, uh, the as someone, I get it. They would need to move in. A, they want if they're making a new form factor and design. I get it, but there are so many people that have probably invested hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars on Apple Watch bands, and if all of those suddenly never work again, whoo! I don't like that. I'm not throwing out a bad apple yet, but that would be for the fandom, for the loyal Apple follower, the person who's buying all these accessories and lives in the ecosystem. That would be a bad apple if it came to be. We'll see. The Apple Watch 10 could also bring the introduction of Apple putting the first micro LED display in their product, right? Test it out, roll it out with the Apple Watch first. This would surpass the color and clarity of existing OLED screens. Also a little more power efficient as well. 
It could also be the first Apple Watch to gain a new health sensor, which would be blood pressure monitoring. These have already been in the Galaxy Watch series for a couple, a few years now. But to me, right, that sounds like an appropriate time to get a new refresh, new technology, right? So we're talking about new screens, thinner design, maybe a new health sensor, not anything close to blood glucose monitoring because we are still years away from that. We've talked about in the show about Apple has their own division, their own department that has been working on a blood glucose monitoring uh, system since even back in Steve Jobs' era. So this is something that even once they get it right, it still has to get passed through all the proper regulations and get authorized to be used. And, you know, as a accurate enough tool for us to, you know, wear on our bodies and use as a reference for medical professionals as well. So that that sounds like a compelling answer to me because, you know, I did get, I, I got the original Apple Watch. I did get a Series 3. Then I went to a Series 4 because I believe they changed the design at the Series 4. Then I went to, held out until Series 7 where they increased the size of the screen a little bit. Um, but I think, honestly, anyone from just a functionality standpoint and what you need, if you have an Apple Watch 4 and your battery is okay for you, I I would still wait it out another year, quite honestly. Like, if the watch works, you don't need to get a new one. You never have to, we never have to feel like we need to get a new one. Of course, it's always great to buy new things. But I'm saying Apple Watch Series 4, if you're still rocking it and you're still fine on it, don't feel compelled to get an Apple Watch Series 9 when the 10 is really the one to get. And we talk about the iPhone 15 Pro, the Apple Watch 10, you know, the Apple Watch, uh, what is it? Series 9 coming out, the Apple Watch Ultra 2. If there was any year to skip upgrades and put your money somewhere else, this is the year. This is, to me, this is the year where you save those pennies, save those dollars, and maybe funnel it towards your Apple Vision Pro fund. I'm not saying buy an Apple Vision Pro. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people that are going to rationalize that, but maybe you help funnel it in that direction. But as someone who, if you're that type of person that upgrades every two or three years and doesn't need to upgrade every year, this is the year to pass for me. Absolutely. I, I, I review tech, so I'm going to get these products to review them. But when it comes down to personally buying them, that's a different story. All right. Let's take a moment to thank the sponsor for this show, Indeed. Hey, what's a game where no one wins? It's the waiting game. And when it comes to hiring, don't wait for great talent to find you. Find them first with Indeed, because when you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed makes hiring in one place so easy, even right from the main page. You just type in the type of jobs that you're looking for in the search bar, and then it lists instantly, shows up for jobs in your area. And let's talk about Indeed's hiring platform that is second to none. Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to US Indeed data. It gets you one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates. Indeed does all the hard work for you. It shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. And Indeed's hiring platform matches you with quality candidates instantly. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. 
Now, Indeed is unbelievably powerful for a hiring platform, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's talk about the future of Apple Silicon. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman has just released what he believes are some of the specs for the new upcoming M3 Pro, M3 Max, and M3 Ultra chips that could feature even more CPU and GPU cores. Now, currently, we are expecting to see, based on reports, sometime in October, the launch of the new M3 chip based on the 3 nanometer process, which is more powerful and more power efficient. So we're now looking forward. And if we talk about, you know, the CPU cores and the GPU cores that definitely are part of the, a huge part of the equation of dictating the speed and performance, we know that the, at least right now, based on tests that have been revealed and developer logs, the M2 and the M3, the base models of those two chipsets will have the same eight CPU cores and 10 GPU cores. Okay, but now we're talking about moving on up to the M2 Pro and the M3 Pro chips. And so I know you can't see this on paper, but I'm going to try and slow this down so it at least can be translated properly because there's going to be a lot of numbers thrown out here. But the current M2 Pro, depending on configuration, can get to either 10 or 12 CPU cores, which would be six or eight high performance and four energy efficient ones also 16 to 19 GPU cores. The M3, 12 or 14 CPU cores. That would be six or eight high efficiency and then six energy efficient ones, which is two more than the M2 Pro, plus 18 or 20 GPU cores. Now I'm not gonna break down the high performance versus energy efficient because it's gonna get very, a lot, a lot of numbers, but, and it does matter, but there's a lot of numbers throughout here. The M2 Max, currently 12 CPU cores. The M3 Max, 16 CPU cores. The M2 Max, 30 or 38 GPU cores. The M3 Max, 32 or 40 GPU cores. Then we look at the Ultra, right? The big Huna, the big fish. I mean, the M2 Ultra today is just overkill unless you want to get into 8K video. You want to sound design a full-length featured movie that is connected to an internal system that people can preview or you just want the most power possible. But the M2 Ultra right now has 24 CPU cores. The M3 Ultra is reportedly going to have 32 CPU cores. And then the M2 Ultra currently has 60 or 76 GPU core options. The M3 Ultra will have 64 or 80 GPU core options. This is going to be ridiculous. I don't even know if there's a word that's more beast than beast. Is it a monster beast? Is it a beast monster? Is it a Leviathan? I don't know. But this is crazy, crazy status. Now, some of the MacBook Pro models that have popped up in logs are have shown to have 36, 48 gigs of memory, but we know that the current high-end MacBook Pro can be configured as high as 96 gigs of memory, unified memory. So 
we're pretty sure that that will stay the same. But Gurman is doubling down and saying, hey, the first Max with the M3 chip should debut in October with the base model M3 chip. And then Max with the M3 Pro and M3 Max chips will not arrive until 2024. And then Max with the M3 Ultra chip, you know, we're talking about something like the Max Studio, they may not arrive until the end of 2024 at the earliest. But this is the next generation of Apple Silicon. This is where we expect to see another big significant jump because I think from the M1 series to the M2, we got about a 15 to 20% performance jump. This is a completely new fabrication process, more power, more power efficient, which hopefully will give us some great battery benefits as well for those laptops. But the M3 is truly the next gen. I did not buy any M2 chip product uh, this past year. I know some creators like buy everything all the time. I don't. Um, I really try to, you know, be sensible about my purchases because I have to be. And so I said no on M2, but M3, I'm willing to take a look. I'm willing to take a look. But it just seems so wild now because my M1 Max is just still crushing it for me. If there's a true urge to get into 8K video, then that's that's when I would 100% make the jump, 100%. Now, sticking with the Max, you know, what always complements a Mac nicely is a display. And we know that Apple has their studio display. We know they have their Pro Display XDR. We have heard that there were rumors and reports that it would we would eventually see new models. We don't know if they're going to go to mini LED. Right now, they're backlit LED displays, but mini LED you know, more fine-tuned controlling of the zones, deeper blacks, but there's, but that's still not OLED. And I don't, you know, there's been a lot of reports thrown around. I think it would be killer if Apple just waited and instead of just going to mini LED, waited till they had the resources and the parts and the deals with display manufacturers for their next generation displays to be OLED displays. That's what I would like. Because if you're looking at the PC market, Samsung and LG, they've been crushing it with their OLED displays. And, you know, if, if Apple's just going to come out with a mini LED display as their top-tier display in, in maybe 2024, that that already seems like just way, be, way, not even a little behind the curve, like way behind the curve. So we'll see. But kind of the buzz around, you know, talk about an Apple Apple Pro display or Apple Studio display. I'm sorry, I should say Studio display. Samsung. At CES, they showcased their Viewfinity S9 5K display. Now, reports just said it's launching out in August 28th. I actually want to get one to compare it to a studio display because the difference here is, or the similarities are, this is one of the few 27-inch 5K displays on the market. One of the other ones is Apple's studio display. It offers a 2560 by 1440 desktop at full retina quality, just like the Apple Studio display. This Viewfinity S9 5K display, also what it's actually a lot more compelling in a lot of ways. So it has one Thunderbolt 4 port, three USB-C ports, mini display port, um, and a DC 20 volt port for power supply. That's fine and dandy. Um, it can also connect to both PCs and Macs and offers 90 watt power transfer and data speeds of up to 40 gig gigabits for machines connected through the Thunderbolt 4 port. But, you know, 
it has a 4K slim fit camera that is attached at the top that can move around with the angle, which is higher quality than Apple's built-in studio display camera. We, we've heard how Apple's been butchered by that. It has the auto framing feature similar to Apple Center Stage. It has built-in speakers and adaptive sound. Apple's studio display has built-in speakers and center stage. But here's where it gets interesting, right? This display has a tilt and adjustable stand. It starts, the Viewfinity S9 starts at $1,599. Apple also starts at that price, but Samsung includes the tilt and height display stand while in that price, while Apple charges $400 more for that. Also, this Viewfinity S9 can be pivoted to portrait orientation using the stand. Super, way more versatile. You're not paying as much. Same retina display resolution. Same 5K, you know, okay, 5K retina display resolution. Also, it has a built-in smart TV apps functionality and remote control. So you can use this display just as a smart TV without even being connected to a computer. And it has its own UI and interface. And when when Apple came out with their Pro Studio, sorry, when Apple came out with their Studio Display, which is a little more, you know, budget-friendly versus their Pro Display XDR, one of my criticisms and one of my critiques was, hey, why can't you give us access to an Apple TV-like interface? There's a processor in Apple Studio Display why can't we use this like an Apple TV as well? Why not? Why not make it versatile? Guess what? Samsung is basically doing that. It's like, hey, this can also be your streaming set-top box. They also have their Samsung Gaming Hub, which means you can play Xbox games and NVIDIA games from their cloud-based services. So it's like, I throw my hands in, I'm like, this thing is better. On paper, this thing is better in almost every way. The design is very Apple-esque. So I've got to check this out. It's it's really compelling when you look at the price and then you look at its features and it doesn't, it honestly, there there's like a sensor, maybe it's like an ambient light sensor at the bottom of the display. Um, the bezels look smaller as well. Everything about it just looks better. So I want to see this and compare it side by side with the suit display because this is where things get compelling where this company like Samsung is like, oh, let, let, let's just one up and it works with all your products too. That's nice. All right. I know there's a lot of overlap also with Apple users and Tesla owners. I personally do not own a Tesla. My lady does. But the Tesla app just had an update that adds over 20 Apple shortcut actions. So the Tesla app for iOS gains official support for shortcuts with this latest update. That is version 4.24. You get over 20 shortcut actions, so you can, that allows users to get quick access to a lot of the vehicle's functions. Um, you can issue commands with Siri, create automations, combine actions into your own complex workflows, so it does multiple things with like a Siri command. Um, you, know, you can do things like lock your vehicle and set the automation to turn on the climate control at a specific time every day under certain conditions so that when you get in your car, it's cool and everything is good to go. It's beyond just that. Like You can set multiple things. So it's things like um, some of these you know, shortcuts are camp mode, defrost, dog mode, precondition your vehicle, set your seat heater, set the temperature for climate control, vent the windows, do an emissions test, flash the lights, honk the horn, lock and unlock, open the frunk, 
there's more than that. I'm not going to go through every 20. Um, set a charge limit. Start, stop charging. These are all shortcuts now that you can do with the app. It's version 4.24 of the Tesla app. It's available now. Um, you Apple Tesla crossover users, which there are a lot, are going to love this thing. If we're sticking in the car space, you know, a little while ago, GM said that, hey, we are planning to phase out CarPlay and Android Auto in all of our vehicles um, because they wanted to create their own tighter integrated system. And so GM is working on rolling out new infotainment systems that are being co-developed with Google specifically. So it'd be a Google GM infotainment system, no CarPlay and no Android Auto support. Now, they recently unveiled the super sexy, sleek-looking Cadillac Escalade IQ. It's I think it's going to be something around like over $130,000. Um, it's going to launch later in 2024. And uh, they, they followed through on this promise and said that the luxury electric SUV will not support CarPlay. This new one will not support Android Auto anywhere. And it has this massive long 55 inch display dashboard like damn i want to see this car um the move to discontinue carplay and android auto is maybe more political than a technical one because car journalist jordan golson created a kind of a video overview of the new cadillac cadillac escalade and spoke to gm reps about leaving out carplay and about leaving out android auto and they said that the decision was made due to EV specific functionality such as using the vehicle charge state information to assist with navigation routing um, when car using CarPlay and Android Auto the user's phone has no knowledge of the vehicle's charge state so their reasoning is that they believe by having a built-in Google-based system that can access this information it'll deliver a better user experience but from a technical standpoint um, yes it's it reminds me a little bit of Apple how like hey we can get tighter integration but could they technically do it of course they could and it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out because remember Apple's CarPlay is made to and we haven't seen it the the next gen version yet but it's made to be not only compatible but to utilize these extended displays in next generation cars of all types of sizes and shapes so we'll see how that happens we'll see if this Cadillac Escalade IQ, this next-gen version, if they, maybe, if they maybe break in a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. All right, everybody. That is going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Again, thanks so much to our Patreon supporters, and thank you so much to our Platinum Apple supporters at the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, Atari Koenigsegg, and Glenn Canellis. Thank you so much for all of your support. And thank you to all of you who continue to support all my content all these years. We're at freaking podcast 279. You think we're going to make it to 300? Ha! Yeah, we're definitely going to make it to 300. So thank you so much. And keep it locked here because there's plenty coming in the next few weeks and months that is going to be fun. Even if you don't upgrade, trust me, there, there's some other great stuff cooking. So that's it for this week's show. We'll see you here next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.